Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. Nurses, we just want to thank you for everything you do. We are ShiftKey.com. Log on today and connect to open PRN shifts in your area. Work when you want, where you want. You can even get paid next day. ShiftKey.com. Start today. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober. An unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. Sober Awkward. 
What's this? Look at it. It's huge. Yes, he is a bit taller than Lucy, but I think we'll fit him in, Alan. Nice to meet you, Alan. Fuck off. Oh dear, that's not a good start, is it? That's a nice welcome to Hamish to the sober awkward booth, isn't it? Alan telling him to fuck off, but hey, he is a grumpy sound guy and we would be bored if he was friendly, wouldn't we? It's exactly the welcome I wanted. Welcome Hamish to the booth. Thank you so much. Here I am, of course, without my lovely Lucy. She's flown the nest, left the sober awkward studio for Pastures New. I was worried for a moment that I might not be able to find another partner in crime. But I've scoured the lands and seas, visited prisons and hounded people in dodgy nightclubs. And to my utter delight, I've bumped into Hamish, another sprightly Brit to take Lucy's mantle and waffle on about sober life with me. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know what? It was funny listening to the last episode because the fan of Sober Awkward Me was crying with you, sad that Lucy was going. And at the end, you started talking about me. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that, that's me. I, I, have to, I have to do this now. Yeah, you're going to be on. You don't mind if I call you Lucy, do you, Please from do. now on? Okay, right. Well, that's what I was going to say. So I know that you guys often found this studio quite hot and would like to do this in your bras. Now, yes. I don't want you to feel <laughs> self-conscious about doing it in your bra. So I've brought my mankini. Excellent. And I brought my lambkini. Yeah. Um, so if you do feel like you need to strip off, I will do it too. Anyone who owns a mankini and a lambkini is welcome in the booth, Hamish. I'm not sure. I might get a little bit too hot if you do change into your mankini. I'm not sure the booth could take it, or Alan, in fact. (laughs) Do you want to introduce yourself, Hamish, and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. So, yeah, we've been friends for before Sober Awkward. Isn't it weird? You had a life before Sober Awkward. I know, it's so weird. And actually, the day I met Hamish, we found out something very strange that we both have in common, didn't we? Well, yeah, I've actually got a bit of a bone to pick with you about that. Okay. So I like to tell people within a few minutes of meeting them that I studied at clown school. All right. Yeah. And usually you get a, whoa, clown school. Let's talk about the clown school. You're the only person that I've ever met who went, oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Shot me down. Yeah. I, that was it. It was the end of my conversation. It's my, my people pleasing ways. I always have a story better than yours. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Or just, yeah, whatever they think they've got, just agree with it and yeah. shut, shut the box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just make it up on the spot. Actually, yeah. I've never been to clown school. No, actually, when I was at college, I went and studied at a clown school in Paris for a week. And I lived with this amazing Haitian family who played loud reggae in their lounge every day. And I danced around the living room. And all of my other mates that were doing work experience in France got jobs in like filing in offices and we'd met up during the week I was like what are you doing Vic I was like I'm actually working in a clown school where I get thrown up in the air by a mad Russian ringleader and yeah it was amazing why were you at clown school well, my story is similar so right. I was there also in Paris I was there for two years though yeah and yeah after uni all my mates moved to London and got corporate jobs and started getting the first share houses and I was living in a bookshop in Paris there's a right. bookshop called Shakespeare how romantic Company. well yeah well I was sleeping on a shelf above right. the children's <laughs> area so it's a little bit creepy weird yeah. yeah you can live there for free if you're an artist what if you wanted a lion no lines okay so you have to open the shop you have to close the shop and you have to work in the shop a few hours a day and that was that was all and you had to read a book a day oh wow so i chose children's books because they're very very small abcs (laughs) yeah exactly but you know what i was i was kind of nervous about this episode because i was like i'm stepping into the shoes of lucy who i have loved as much as every other fan of the show has been i thought oh it's really nerve-wracking i hope i do a proud i hope i can maintain the the momentum you guys have built up and then i had a thought Hmm. which is if i'm nervous what do you feel because Lucy was the last person to step into this booth. And she said in the last episode, you changed her life. Right. <laughs> so, Vic, here I am. Mm. You need to change my life. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure I can 
changed two people's lives. I think one was enough. I think I've reached my limit on life changes. I'll try my best, Hamish, I promise. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, from a, from a drinking point of view, I suppose I would label myself a normal drinker, right? Whatever that means. I've drunk fairly consistently from the age of about 16, 17. Um, and I've always been interested in just how green the grass is on your side of the sober fence. So I, I hope I can provide another point of view on the subject and to even include more people who might be questioning their drinking out there. Great. Yeah. And I'm so interested to hear the, you know, the male perspective on, on alcohol. Um, we've covered me, the party girl with no off switch. We've covered Lucy, who was the stay at home drinker. And now we want to look at a more normalized drinking habit and, and to see if somebody who, who drinks on a very, as we call normal way, whereas I'm not sure whether there is a normal way, but we want to follow your journey as you give up drinking, which is going to be really exciting for us, Hamish. I'm so privileged to have you here in this stinky old booth with me. I'm sure Alan <laughs> is happy to have you here too. I'll ask him later I'm sure he'll calm down a little bit and I'm glad you fit in the booth I was worried I was going to have to fold you in half there for a while but yeah I'm mostly knees and elbows yeah Yeah. (laughs) so what are we talking about Hamish on your first episode of Sober Awkward yes so today's episode is entitled am I sober curious we want to discover what a sober curious person actually is why does the term feel so much kinder and more approachable than alcoholic and what can you get from identifying as a sober curious person Yep, that's right, Haim. I chose this topic today because I think it might help you and many people out there identifying if they have a drinking issue and understand that there's nothing wrong or weird about questioning your alcohol intake. It's actually a really cool thing to do. Yeah, I've recently had my first child uh, and in the year leading up to my son's birth, I became sober curious. I'm more conscious about what I'm drinking and when. I'm no longer the only person who suffers from my hangover. And in order to be the best husband and father possible, I think now might be the time to pack in the booze. Yeah, that is such a great reason. I mean, to be a a present dad is just one reason, isn't it, Hamish? Of course. There are so many people out there that feel like that, but don't take action because their drinking isn't that bad or they think it's not that bad. Lots of people question their drinking, but it feels like such a deeply ingrained habit that they can't see out of it or beyond it. Everything revolves around booze. But what if you could nip it in the bud and stamp it out before it gets too dangerous? What if you could become more aware of what you're doing and then made an effort to change it? That sounds about right. So if, like me, you've ever woken up with a hangover and said, I'm never drinking again, only to be waving a tenner at the barman after the slightest peer pressure from the following night, then this is the episode for you. So yeah, today we're talking about that term, sober curious. For those of you that are new to sober awkward, sober curious encapsulates anyone that has ever questioned their relationship with alcohol. The sober curious movement encourages individuals to recognise the often unhealthy habits that are associated with alcohol, like rolling around on the floor in a bush and all of those other things that we've all done in the past (laughs) and how that might negatively impact your lives. I mean, having thorns in your bottom, Hamish, is going to have a negative impact on your life. So the questioning leads sober curious individuals into seeking answers and hopefully seeking the help and support they deserve, be that getting therapy, going to AA or just talking to a mate about it like I am now. That's right. It's important to remember we're not only talking to those of you who may be fighting an addiction to alcohol, we're talking really to everyone. 
So I guess that's why I'm here, Vic. I must be sober curious. Yes, I love it that you're identifying as that, Hamish. You are, and it's really wonderful. It means you care enough about yourself, your family and your body to consider another way. So why do you think you want to give up drinking, Hamish? Is it because you act like a total twat when you're wasted? I've got plenty of twattishness stories to share over Excellent. the course Excellent. We series. like a bit of twattery. I know this is a safe <laughs> space for twattery. It you've, certainly you've is. shared more than most. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I guess for me, like I said, the, the main reason is this becoming a new dad. To speak in sort of man language for a right, second. Right, okay, I've, interesting. I've, this is new to me. Well, I've always, I always used to want to be a footballer, right? right? I grew up wanting to be a footballer. Football is like an elite athlete. I thought this word elite, I want to be the best of the best. I remember thinking if I was ever a footballer, I would never drink alcohol and I would never, I'd always eat the right things and I'd be the model professional. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't become a footballer, right? Yeah. Because I'm not that good at football. And then every other job you sort of, don't give yourself the same standards, if that okay, makes right. sense. So you're just kind of plodding along because exactly. you haven't achieved that original goal. Exactly. Yeah. And becoming Mind a father, pun. I was like, this is something I really want to be elite at. Okay, I want right. I to be the best possible dad I can yep. be. And I think giving up booze is the least I can do. You know, it's I, I don't want to be hungover around a child. And I think becoming a good dad is as much about being a good husband. And again, being hungover is not helpful to my wife, you know. Yeah. I want to be the best possible husband so that she can be the best possible mum as well. Yeah. So I think that's probably been the, the biggest driving factor. There are other things like I think it will improve my career. It's obviously a good move for my health. But I guess more than anything, it's it's kind of a challenge. Can I, can I, is it something I can do? It's breaking the mould. Most people drink, right? Yeah. This is going against the grain. It's always good to set yourself little challenges. And I think this one is as good as any. Yeah, and I think you're in the right place for it. I mean, you've got accountability now. Yeah, exactly. Everyone <laughs> you've knows. got to give up drinking. <laughs> otherwise, we're all going to be on your back. So what is your history with booze, Hamish? I'm interested. Well, I think like any Englishman or Englishwoman, we have drunk an average amount for our country, which is probably more than the average amount than the rest of the world. Yeah, it's know? been pretty instilled in us since birth, the old boozing, hasn't exactly. it? Exactly. Like both of us, England... We've both lived in Paris. We've both lived in Australia. Those are three places that have got fairly serious drinking cultures. Yeah. Actually, when I've talked about this before, I couldn't name one country that didn't have a serious drinking yeah, culture. Perhaps India or some of those other countries in the Middle East where they don't drink as much. But yeah, I think most countries have a little bit of an issue going on. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I guess my, my history of booze, obviously it started at school. I went to this sort of fancy boarding school in the middle of nowhere in Yorkshire, which was lovely. And I guess one of the good things about the school is that it was so far from everywhere yeah. that it was very difficult to get drugs. Well, they, uh, <laughs> right, that's, that's disappointing. That's why I went to a rough comprehensive... Well, that's it, right? Yeah. Most schools, especially the ones that are near London, really easy to get drugs. Right. My school, impossible to get drugs. God, how disappointing. Which, in a, way, <laughs> in a way, is good. But in a way, it means the one thing that we can get our hands on and we threw ourselves into was getting our hands on booze, right? right? And the school's in Yorkshire. It's famous for pubs. It's famous for drinking. Um, so I guess it sort of started there, drinking warm fosters in, in the bottom of a bush. Oh, yeah, ciders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It, yeah. We'd hide them in the bottom of a field and we'd go and sit in a puddle and drink them on a Friday night. Yeah, a bottle of Scrumpy Jack, wasn't it? Yeah, lovely, lovely. Um, so it, it started there. Then I went on to uni, Newcastle Uni, again, infamous drinking culture. And yeah, I guess I was always sort of the lightweight. So I was a pretty much a male-dominated school. Hmm. The more you drink, the cooler you are. 
Okay. I was never cool because I was always drunk after one drink. Yeah. And not funny drunk, you know, just the loser. Blithering idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I've always been the blithering idiot. Okay, good. We like blithering idiots. <laughs> so, yeah, school, then on to uni was yeah, a massive drinking culture at, at Newcastle Uni, particularly because it's so, so, so cheap. Yeah. It's literally cheaper to go on a night out than it was to eat dinner. Okay. Which is the decision that we yeah. happily made yeah. most nights, um, particularly when your university halls are atrocious and it's yeah. not much fun sitting around in them sober um, and then yeah I went on to Paris and Paris is Paris I don't need to say much about Paris obviously there's an abundance of wine um, and then moves out to Australia so yeah I guess it's sort of my story's normal in terms of drinking I've always been surrounded by it I've always lived in cities that are into it and I've always been in social groups that are pretty drinks heavy you know I can't think of a social event I've ever gone to which hasn't revolved around booze and that's what's interesting about it like the comparison between having Lucy here and my story and your story is that the vast spectrum of alcoholism is what we talk about a lot on this podcast and saying look we all sit on it somewhere I mean I don't know anyone who doesn't sit somewhere on it unless they're sober now because it is vast and there are these extremes you either like a real problem drinker an extreme drinker we would call it you sit somewhere in the middle between that pub and an AM meeting or you sit at the end where you think you're a normal drinker and you are drinking to satisfy the needs of of your culture that surrounds you so it's such an interesting angle having you here Hamish and getting this story from somebody who's who's perhaps not a problem drinker I wouldn't really describe you as that but perhaps the problem is is that it is normalized and that everyone's doing it and perhaps that is a problem in itself which is a really fascinating angle and perspective especially from a male and there's not many male people standing up in this realm talking about alcohol because it is so normal and so expected you know you go for a pint at the pub with your mates after work after surfing here is a huge other culture Mm. it's expected of you as a male what are you 31 Hamish so all your social events are going to be based around booze and what we're going to question in this series of episodes of Sober Awkward is whether that's okay or not and how that's impacting you and how is it possible for you to actually stop that behaviour? And what's it like? You know my history. I've talked about it all before. You know, I ha- I didn't realise I was sober curious, but now that term really encapsulates me. I thought I was just a pisshead that couldn't stop drinking and was rubbish at moderation and ignored all these red flags throughout my life. I described myself before I discovered that sober curious term as a socially acceptable alcoholic or a pisshead or somebody that had no off switch. Mm. But when I found that term, the term that we're going to really shove down your throat today, Hamish, <laughs> that I discovered that that kind of made me feel cosy. And there's something to be said for feeling accepted and having an identity and feeling cosy, no matter whether it's in your work or in your home. Feeling accepted into a group, like a tribe, is a feeling that kind of relaxes you, doesn't it? Mm. What do you feel about that term? Do you like it? Yeah, I I think... I'm sure we'll talk later on about the sort of dangers of labels. I think labels often can be a negative thing. Yes. But I think in this respect, it's such a welcome, you know, alcoholic is a nasty, dangerous, aggressive label. Yeah, Yeah, scary label. And and feels like, oh, people don't think they're an alcoholic, even if maybe they are. Yeah. You know, think, oh, alcoholics are people that drink whiskey at two in the morning or five in the morning by themselves. It allows you to point the finger and say, well, I'm not that, I'm not that, so I'm all right, Jack. Exactly. And Sober Curious, I think, is pretty much anyone. I don't know anyone that hasn't at some point thought, oh, 
drinking. Like, I feel terrible this yeah. morning. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't drink yeah, tomorrow. This is shit. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should stop this. So, yeah. So it's a label I'm all right with. Yeah, okay, good. I'm, I'm okay with attaching myself to that yeah, label. Yeah, it's like a big hug, actually, for me. I really love I really love that word. I think it's really, really kind of cosy, as I said. And I love your reasons, Hamish, like to be becoming a dad and wanting to be the best dad in the world. I mean, that's why I gave drink uh, up drinking mm. was because I, I became a mom and I tried to combine these two crazy lives, like being a mom and being a pisshead, being a party girl. And those worlds, of course, they collided massively when I was hung over and trying to be a parent. The two just are not compatible. Mm. So my reasons are very, very similar to yours, even though I was probably more of a binge drinker and more of a heavy problem drinker than you are. My reasons are exactly the same. Um, do you think you've ever ignored any red flags that your drinking was a little bit more than average, Hamish? <sighs> Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah, we've all got a few of those. Yeah, I've, I've got a few. I'll tell one to get you started, which was I was on holiday in Laos. And I feel like Laos, a bit like Thailand with you, seems to be a place where particularly Brits really go for it. Well, a lot in those Southeast Asian countries, there's not many rules. Yeah, like you can it. ride five of you on a motorbike without <laughs> helmets, like be sick on the pavement, carry on. Like there's no police around. You can just do whatever you want. Yeah. And, you know, we usually go when we're 18, 19 years old and we're looking for a bit of escapism. Yeah, totally. Um, so I was in Laos. Mm. And uh, for anyone that's been to Laos, particularly when you're 18, 19 years old, the thing to do there is you hop on this, on this donut, a, uh, a blow-up inflatable rubber ringy, Rubber ringy? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sounds got... like a condom. <laughs> you, 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 oh, you, yeah. hop on a big you don't inflatable... want to have a rubber ringy. <laughs> you that get on a big painful. inflatable condom and you, uh, you go down the river and along the river are lots of different bars, all right? Yeah. So I've been there about a week and the three best mates I was travelling with said, we don't want to go out tonight. We've gone out every night. And I said, screw you. I'm going to go out alone. So I went out alone and we were playing beer pong, but not with beer. It was with a local whiskey. Oh, rice wine or something. Something like that. Yeah, I don't right. even drink whiskey, but yeah. I, I don't think, Lao, beautiful country, not sure if it's famous for its whiskey. It's basically window cleaner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I remember playing beer pong with um, with whiskey, and I'm, I'm actually pretty good at throwing ping pong. So that is one of my skills. Okay, excellent. Yeah, but I guess on that day, I must have not been great because I definitely did the majority of the drinking. Okay. And I remember somehow getting home. I do remember vaguely walking and I think a minibus gave me a lift right. which is a whole dangerous another <laughs> section of this story yeah. but I wasn't abducted um, and I remember getting home and I, my, my friends were sort of in the internet cafe front reception area <laughs> yeah. of the hostel I charged straight past them got into bed think cool I need to pass out you know, yeah. this, my night is over yeah. pass out and I'll just wake up and everything will be, will be fine anyway I get into bed start getting room spinning I'm like I need to throw up so I run to the loo throw up that's cool. I'm sort of hugging the, the loo. The throw-up's happening. That's fine. That's a control I've not missed. Then I was like, I need to poo. <laughs> so I think that's okay. I'm, I'm near the loo. I'll hop up. I'll switch, you know, sw swap around yep. and I'll poo. Mm. That's cool. That happened. That's fine. Then I need to throw up again. That's cool. That's happened. Then I need to get back into bed. I remember thinking, I just need to get into bed. I need to pass out. This need, needs to end. I remember basically what started was a puke poo pirouette okay. so i'm at the loo i'm i'm spinning like a ballerina i think it's called swamping yourself is that what it's yeah, called yeah there's something like that yeah okay so from memory that was you know i was timing it well everything was going where it needed to go okay uh and i got back into bed and then my mate who i was sharing a room with came in and said hey there is puke and poo all over the bathroom floor <laughs> and all over the bed and i can remember sort of sobering up as he said that and i looked at him dead in the eyes and i said george a wolf ran in through the window, 
pooed the bed and threw up on the floor in the bathroom. <laughs> It was a wolf. It was a wolf. Yeah, no. I blame this wolf, this poor wolf. I'm not even sure if Lau has wolves. So had you actually mistaken the bed for the bathroom? No, I just don't think I made it, maybe. Okay, or maybe don't... I was asleep and things were going. But then the worst thing was, oh. we were checking out the next day, and checkout was at 10 o'clock. Yeah. So I remember thinking, that's fine. I'll leave, I'll make a pile of yeah, stuff, pooey, pukey sheets yeah. and put it in the corner, and I'll leave the room 9.59, straight onto the bus. They'll never know. I'm out of here. So 9.59, I'm out. The bus is late. Oh. The German hostel owner comes to the, re- the reception. He goes, right, who's in room G4? <laughs> Slowly raised my hand. Oh, no, the shame. Yeah, and he was, yeah, he was just disappointed. This lovely guy was just let down with me rather oh, than dear. angry. It's so similar to my Thailand story when I booted the door in, which I've told on another podcast, <laughs> when I had to do a runner from a resort and the man caught me and I had to pay a massive fine. But <gasps> I didn't remember booting a door in. You know, these terrible stories. Did you remember that day, Hamish, thinking... Maybe I shouldn't drink so much. Yeah, well, worryingly, no. Now, that was okay. quite early on in the holiday. Yeah. So it's only in retrospect, I was like, that is totally out of control. Out of control. And yeah. I was by myself, you know. I was, oh, no. Everyone that I met that day, I've never seen since. So what was, what what was, was going what on? What was my mission that I day? I mean, we've all done these crazy things. Like, I've, well, I'm a finger less than most. I've been arrested, you know, ris- risky sexual situations, you know, naked in a sombrero, on vomiting on a children's party. <laughs> I'm sure these stories will all come out at some stage in our <laughs> podcast, Hamish. Yeah, so Hamish is someone who I'd actually describe as a normal drinker, as I said. Like him, I thought my crazy behaviour was totally normal, like I did all those things in Laos and Thailand like you did. I was just a party girl with no off switch as far as I was concerned. Drinking was so ingrained in me that I thought it was normal to vomit in a wheelie bin every weekend, fall over in taxi ranks and blow my fingers off with fireworks. I thought drinking was fun. I thought that behaviour was fun. When in fact I had a tinsy-wincy bit of a drink problem that actually needed therapy to unravel. So let's list some of the ways listeners can identify if they are sober curious, Vic. Yeah, it's a great idea because it is a hard thing to sort of pinpoint for those that are listening. If you relate to any of these, it might be time to put down your pint. Um, One of the first ones is if you are not able to stop at one. That's a classic sign of you you being almost obsessed with alcohol because you can't just have that one drink. You're failing at moderation. Mm. Of course, if you can't have one drink, it means that you want another one, which means you want another one. And it's like you have no control of it. So we're going to really simplify things here Mm. for you guys just to try and identify a few issues here. I guess similar to that, people that think one drink is pointless. Yeah, I would I would say that still yeah. now, that one drink, I'd be like, why the fuck are you bothering? In fact, even now that I've been sober five years and I see someone having one, one drink, I'm still kind of that, there's a part of me that's like, come on, what's wrong with you? Get another one down your neck. I'm almost disappointed in people. I think because I can't do it anymore, I want them to sort of do it instead, yeah, but it's exactly. bad, yeah. Anyway, um, Another obvious one is if you're really just not happy with drinking anymore. Yeah, if it's impacting you in a weird way, whether that's anxiety or you're just questioning it or you keep doing stupid things or it makes you have arguments with people or it makes you, you know, have an argument with your partner, all of these things. If you're not happy with it, it might be time to change it. The next one is, yeah, exactly that, feel in need of change, which if you feel in your heart that something's not right, it's probably time to have a look into it. Particularly if you've 
crossed off all the other things. You yes, know, like, yes. Well, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. Yeah. I'm still drinking. You might Maybe find, yeah, a lot of people that I talk to actually go to the doctors and the doctor says, you've got this, you've checked this, you've checked this, but are you still drinking? And everyone I know says, no, no, doctor, I've given up drinking. But of course they are. It's the one thing they always deny. But the drink is often the key to a lot of health issues that we talk about. So we'll go more into that in a few other episodes. Yeah. Uh, one that I can relate to is this idea of just being a bit bored of the drinking culture. Yeah, know? it's fucking boring sometimes Hamish like oh I've got to go I remember I used to dread going out in the end because I thought oh bloody hell here I go again I'm going out I'm going to get I'm going to be the drunkest person in the room I'm going to fall over and make a tit out of myself Mm. and then I'm going to have huge anxiety the next day I knew my patterns so well and I was bored of it by the end of it yeah we can sort of imagine how the night's going to go I know we're going to have this many drinks. I know these conversations are going to happen again. We're going to end up at that place. Yeah. You know, it's just on on repeat after. We've done it for years. I've done it for fucking years. 25 years. Yeah. So one thing that you might feel in that situation is you're actually craving better relationships, like those bonding situations that you're out out with your mate at that same club and you're talking about the same thing. You're not actually going to remember any of those conversations the next day. So you might actually not be bonding as well. And is it possible to bond more deeply if you're not drinking? Yeah. That one's a good one because you always think, oh, after a few drinks, we always get these amazing deep chats. You yeah. Know? Oh, I feel really connected. Yeah, well, you're drunk. You don't remember it the next day. No, it's, it's like, like pointless, isn't it? Yeah, the point is trying to get to that level of conversation without the booze so you can actually remember it and actually connect with that yeah. person. And that's going to be a challenge for you that will, that will set you at some point to go out on a on a booze-free night, Hamish, and try and have conversations with mm. people that are authentic and genuine and see how you feel afterwards. Like, what's the level of joy you feel when you're actually having a real discussion with someone without booze involved. Mm. Another one is if you've been visiting the STD clinic a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I was on first name terms with the lady at Boots, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, we laugh in this podcast about all of these things because we've been there and done it and we've seen the other way. So bear with us. <laughs> we have to laugh, otherwise we would cry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So if your drinking seems a little bit different than your mates, if your mates seem to be able to stop or they're getting up the next day and going for a run while you're lying in bed, stuffing a bacon sandwich down your face and a, and a can of iron brew there's different levels of drinking some people can handle it some people can stop some can't or if you're one of those people that can't stop then you need to have a look into it if your mates are all happily going home at a certain time and you know going and cooking dinner and going to bed at a normal time and then you're out at a nightclub dancing on a speaker till 4am most Saturday nights and you can't see why it's because there's something different going on with your drinking than theirs so it might be worth looking into and that sort of leads on to my last one which is if you keep failing at moderation that is key yeah Yeah, so a lot of people that think oh I'll just give up for a weekend or I'll give up for a month or I'll give up beer or I'll just drink cider or wine if that keeps failing and you keep ended up throwing up or pooing your bed yeah then maybe maybe it's time to rethink it and give up booze for a bit you know give it a try maybe maybe it is the answer yeah because that um failing at moderation actually hamish i'll just tell you quickly for me that was the steps that i took to get sober failing at moderation attempting it every time you go out and then failing it leaves you feeling like shit because you're really trying hard to do something but you can't And there's a reason you can't, and that's because you have a problem with alcohol. So people that have a problem with alcohol, these sober curious people, are people that want to stop and want to moderate. They might manage it for a while, but generally they go back into the binge. How many failed moderation attempts do you reckon you had before? (laughs) I reckon it was 25 years of me (laughs) sitting in a pub with one glass of wine going, oh, I'm going to be really good tonight and I'm only going to have one glass of wine. I'm going to be the perfect person and then... 
an hour later, I'm sort of scrabbling around on the floor looking for fag butts, wondering where the after party is. <laughs> okay, just 25 years. <laughs> 20, yeah, just 25 years of attempting moderation and failing and hating myself, Hamish. Isn't that lovely? Oh, you have to laugh. Yeah, so basically, I think what we've come to terms with here is that both of us, even though our drinking is probably a little bit different, we're both your average booze bags. Pub-dwelling Brits that started drinking in our teens, got blotto at uni, downed shots with mates after work and jumped headfirst into reward wines, well, I did when I had kids. I reckon, Hayim, when you were blaming wolves for shitting in your bed, I was passed out in a bush at a hen's night still wearing my penis helmet. We are your average, socially acceptable overdoers. Yep, I was there with you, downing shots and trying to explain to the doorman kicking me out that I'd only had one drink and I must have eaten something funny that made me sick. Yes, yes, always that. Blame the kebabs, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We probably should talk about here the importance, Hamish, of identifying as sober curious. It's it's going to be what the listeners might want to do today to sort of start this sober journey. If they're tuning into this podcast, they've read the word sober and they're interested in it. So what are some ways that you can sort of learn to identify with this term? Well, the big one for me is that you can finally find people like you. You know, you think that sober people are maybe these these aliens, these otherworldly people. You can never imagine even being sober. But as soon as you do accept and go, hey, maybe I'm sober curious, there's millions of them. And you know, I'm very new to the group, but there's there's already I've met plenty. Yeah, it's so exciting that because like when you do identify with it and then you search online and you start finding all these groups and Facebook pages and Instagram accounts, you realise there's a whole world of sober curious people out there and you're not mad and you're not crazy and you're actually just a normal person with a very, very common and normal issue. Finding those people makes you understand that you're not alone. Which I'm sure comes up a lot. You know, I think anyone that goes sober feels lonely. You know, there are nights when all your mates can be out dancing and you're going to be home alone. And I guess it's important to remind yourself that you're not alone. You know, there's there's a whole group of people in a similar situation to you. Yeah, and I totally agree. And it makes you feel like part of something as well. It's also better than calling myself a useless twat. Yeah, when you're not a useless twat, I'm going to be here. This is what I'm going to change in you (laughs) and me. We're not going to be useless twats anymore. That's it. That's our mission. Yeah. And also the term isn't as serious as alcoholics. If you don't want to use that word, you don't have to. Because for me, that, that conjures up the wrong images. And it's not helpful for some people. For some people, for Lucy, for example, she liked the term alcoholic because it helped her identify what she was and it made it meant that she found it very serious and that she could stop it because mm. she didn't want to go back there. But for some, I mean, you don't have to label yourself anything. You don't even have to use the term sober curious if you don't want to. You don't have to label yourself at all. I will say that. I guess it's can be used as an excuse why not to drink, you know? Yeah. And so I'm so curious, don't you know? It's better than uh, making up something like, well, well, making up any old excuse not to drink. You have an answer. This you, is your answer. Yeah, you've got an answer. It's good to have an answer because we know in these social situations that people are there to give you a hard time if you give up drinking. So having a few answers, you know, in your back pocket is going to be helpful. Of course. And what makes this interesting to me is having drunk alcohol for half my life, I want to know how much of my personality is intertwined with booze. Is it possible to still be the same me when I'm sober? Will I still be able to go to parties and have fun, to have those deep conversations, to dance like a tit without caring? I want to know who I am socially without booze. Gosh, yeah, it's interesting. It is a difficult one. And I did find it hard at first to socialise without booze. But it's like anything, Hamish practice makes perfect. So what we thought alongside the usual sober awkward shenanigans on this series of sober awkward, over the next year, we're actually going to follow Hamish as he tries to go alcohol free. We will bear witness to his fails, his struggles and his wins. 
We plan on sending him off on a few very awkward sober missions and cataloguing the changes in him over the following 12 months. Don't worry, we're still going to cover all the sober awkward stuff too. Our shame shed of awful drinking stories, lots of humour and valuable tips to prop up your sober life. So whether you label yourself as a problem drinker, sober curious, a total pisshead, a lush, a caner, a drunk, a party girl, a normal drinker, a wine o'clock mum or an alcoholic, we've got you covered. It's so lovely that you're here, Hamish, and you're willing to take on these challenges and take on a year of sobriety. I just can't wait to see the changes on you. I witnessed Lucy change, of course, and I'm excited to see you change too. I can't wait to see how this pens out for you. Yeah, I'm sure there are going to be some highs and lows along the way. Days when I'm strong in my sobriety and others when I need to lean on you and the rest of the community for support. Yeah, and we're here for you, Hamish. What we're going to do is we're going to create a group on my Cuppa community and we haven't we haven't quite decided what to name it yet, has we, Hamish? So we need we, help. We need help. We thought we might put it out there to the sober awkward listeners we've got a few names like the sober party the teetotal tea party blind sober the give up club annually challenged which was my favorite one especially with your poo story that works quite well (laughs) no i'm gonna be remembered as the poo guy (laughs) yeah the poo. there's nothing wrong with that i've got a lot of poo stories so yeah we've got a few names that we're gonna come up with and you can join the group and you can join hamish on his year off Go onto the cup of dot community and join the group and, you know, start your sober journey with Hamish. It's going to be so exciting. You can challenge yourself off a year off the grog too. This will be a great support network for you and for Hamish to start your sober life. One of the things we wanted to do over the course of this year was get the listeners to set me challenges. Yeah. So we want them to finish the sentence. The hardest thing to do sober is whenever that word is, I will have to try and do. Hamish, the one thing that I bang on about in this podcast is that, you know, I'm here to prop up your sobriety. Everything I do is to prop up people's sobriety. But there's one thing I highly recommend for everybody when they decide to step into this path, and that is to get therapy. So, Hamish, I'm sending you to therapy. Okay, that is not something I've done before. That is going to be your first mission. And I hope by the next episode, you're going to be able to report back and tell us how it went. Because I think taking a deeper look into your drinking, no matter how bad it is or how it impacts your health, taking a look into your drinking and a look into yourself is going to be the best way and the best chance you have of of really committing to this and doing a good job. I'm excited. I'm excited too. (laughs) I can't wait to see how it goes. So whether you're questioning your one glass of wine per night after the kids are in bed, your five pints of scrumpy jack cider at the local barn dance, the massive binge at your mate's birthday or the bottle of whiskey on your own at home, it's important to know that if you've been questioning for a while, that means it might be the time to start seeking answers. Getting sober or sober curious is just a way of being kinder to yourself. It doesn't have to be all dramatic. You don't have to be swigging gin bottles from hidden laundry baskets and dribbling on a bouncer as he leads you to the fire exit. You just need to want something else and be curious about seeking it out. We want you to come on this sober, awkward journey with us. Next week, we might help Hamish prepare a little bit for his first week of sobriety and have a little chat about how drinking affects your bank balance. So join me. If you're questioning your alcohol consumption, then let's do this as a tribe. Go sober for a year with me. 
Join the group so we can all be in this together. I will post all my sober awkward antics and share with the listeners the ups and downs of sober life. I hope you will support me and give me a few embarrassing sober escapades to complete. Yes, I'm looking forward to coming up with all these evil deeds. I'm dreading what you come up with specifically. <laughs> yes, don't be too mean, everybody. Yeah, remember, if you're considering giving up, please seek the professional support, not professional sport, which somebody told me to seek once. I was like, no, I'm not going to become a shot putter. I want to have therapy. Finding out why you drink in the first place is going to be the key to opening your sober door and will help you achieve a more long-lasting happiness. I'm so grateful to Hamish for being here and allowing us to share his sobriety journey with us. I can't wait to see what happens and get the male sober awkward perspective. Really, Hamish, I want to end this podcast by saying, you know, why are you allowing me to do this to you? You're like my little sober gimp, aren't you? It's like each week I'm going to get you out of the box in your little gimp outfit, your little gimp mask and say, right, I'm going to set you these tasks now, gimp. Well, that's always been my dream is to be somebody's sober gimp so I thought that is as good a reason <laughs> well, it's funny as it's been my dream to have one <laughs> well I guess one of the things about doing it in this way in a way that's so public you know lots of people are going to know about it not just my friends and my family but also friends of yours people that are listening to the podcast from all over the world is I think it helps me with the idea of accountability you know I, I am someone that I think as soon as I've told everyone I will I've got a better chance of sticking to my word. Um, so I feel like as soon as I tell everyone it's a challenge, then I have to complete it. I have to get to that to that finish line um, and give it a shot. Yeah, you've got me to answer to now. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to ha- feel the wrath of your gimp, your gimp whip. <laughs> How do you know about my gimp whip? <laughs> I see you hiding it behind me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was watching, I thought I wanted to finish this episode with a quote. You guys always have great quotes, yep. um, but I have not read any of these sobriety books, so I thought I would bring a quote from outside of the sobriety world. Great. Um, and I was watching this Robin Williams documentary this week, um, and I love Robin Williams, like most people do. And he said in it, he said, self goes away. Ego, bye-bye. The thing that matters are others. That's what life is all about. Yeah, so I love that because that is why you're doing this, isn't it? doing it. That is your reason why. And so in sobriety, in those books that you're talking about and in these Instagram pages, we talk a lot about your reason why. So when you feel wobbly or you have a craving or if, if it's not going so well, you have to focus on your reason why. And your reason why is your kids and your wife and your family. And there's no better reason than them to change. And if that's what you want to do, if that's going to make you a better dad and a better husband, then great. And if more people make these changes, I think we'll find society will eventually start to change. You know, it'll start to evolve a little bit because everyone's a little bit more happy and a little bit more functional so that's a brilliant reason I'm glad yeah so we need to end this podcast we usually end with some ridiculous taunt for Alan but I think he's a bit busy out there because he's feeling a bit a bit scared of Hamish at the moment isn't he well he's the one that told me to fuck off I know (laughs) but I think he uses it as a front oh you reckon (laughs) I think he uses his hatred as like a defence mechanism oh he loves me I think he's a big softy really yeah Well, well thanks, Hamish. Thank, thank you. you for being here. I'm I'm happy to have my sober gimp in the booth with me. Oh gosh. I'm gonna get a jumper with that on the back, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. Cheers. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling. Contact a local doctor. Find an AA or sobriety group. Fix got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. 
And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. They have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. <laughs> You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audiobook will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? 
I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. <laughs> my teeny little wooden heart. Well, his teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 